0: In Spanish, its name means The Meadows. You might know it as the entertainment capital of the world, Lost Wages, or simply Sin City. Of course, I'm talking about fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. On average, 42 million people visit Las Vegas every year, and I'm one of them. I love this city. The sights, the sounds, the shows, the people, the history. I want to share all of it with you taking you to the world-famous vegas strip and beyond my name is jeff and this is the jeff does vegas podcast hey there and welcome to the best of the jeff does vegas podcast there's no doubt that las vegas is the entertainment capital of the world Anywhere you go in the city, whether on the strip or off, you're going to find some of the most insanely talented people on the planet, performing as headliners in showrooms, on stages in the various casino lounges, and everywhere in between. We're talking dancers, singers, comedians, magicians, you name it, they're there. I've been lucky enough to get several of them on the podcast as guests over the last year, and I'm even more fortunate to be able to call many of them my friends. As we wrap up 2020, I thought it might be fun to go back and reshare some of the great conversations I had with these amazing people. Enjoy. <laughs> We start with episode number 58, and my conversation with longtime Vegas headliner Murray Sawchuck, a.k.a. Murray the Magician.
1: I grew up watching a lot of old acts. My parents, you know, my dad had me when he was 43. My mom was in her mid-30s, and so I saw a lot of older programming. I saw the Lawrence Welk show. I watched Lucille Ball, which I think everybody did, but I was watching Lucille Ball when their second run of Lucy was out in the real time when they were airing. And I watched a lot of these older acts. My parents grew up on Liberace and stuff. And so I, one of my favorite acts in the world, I would mimic them would be Fred Astaire. And I love Danny Kaye and Sammy Davis and Frank and all those guys. And people always had that rat pack kind of thing. Of course they were cool and they were like, but I was a huge fan of, um, of Fred Astaire and Danny Kaye, and because they were great dancers, but what they did on screen to me was magic. It wasn't a box and a trick or cutting somebody in half. But it was, you know, I just couldn't believe somebody could dance like that. I didn't know a body could move like that. I didn't know somebody was that talented to look like you're on ice when you're in, in a gymnasium or a ballroom or a cruise ship deck or wherever the videos are, you know, movies are being filmed. So that's when I really got the entertainment bug. And then I saw David Copperfield when I was like eight or nine years old, vanish the Statue of Liberty. And he was just amazing back then. I mean, he had everything right. He was the right time, the right era, the right look. The tricks were unbelievable. You know, he he followed Doug Henning, who's actually a Canadian magician, uh, very famous at the time. And so it was one of those things where, um, you know, that, that's kind of who I looked up to. And then I saw that and I like, man, that's kind of cool. Um, let, let's try that. So I started getting magic tricks and that. And I realized, well, I'd already danced on stage since at the age of five. I played music, you know, the accordion, the keyboard. So I, I did talent shows. You know, it's funny. Ironically, back in Burnaby, I do all sorts of talent shows. And there was a young kid who always won the singing category, and I'd always win the variety category. And we were in two different school districts. We didn't hang out a lot, but doing uh, competitions, we'd run into each other. And our last show together was in 2002. We got brought back to Burnaby as guys that are somewhat successful to do this cavalcade of Stars thing. And um, I opened the first half, and he opened the second half, and it's Michael Bublé. Oh,
0: jeez! And <laughs> of all
1: people, can you believe that? And we were standing there going, "Wow, I can't believe we're doing this." So yeah, but they called us, and they were nice enough when we were twelve years old to put us on this show. It was basically pushing youth forward in the arts, which Burnaby and Vancouver, I know, Canada, all of Canada is really big on it. And um, you know, so we did. He came in with a three-piece band. I came, I flew back from Vegas, and he was in Woodland Hills putting his first album together with David Foster, and uh, he was saying, uh, "Is is." first album going to air 2003 valentine's day and i said oh man i hope that works I said, yeah i hope it works out too because right now i'm uh, getting coffee and i'm wiping david foster's ass right now <laughs> i hope this works out for me and then well <laughs> it what happened to me you know isn't that great you know you can't and i, and I still have the playable. i just found the playable of us uh in the playable together i should post that today on one of my throwbacks but of him and i in uh performing together but yeah so so it's a cool line of getting to where we were and i was and then, uh, and then from there, I just thought, well, things are working. I'm making money off this thing, and uh, let's keep it, keep it keep it going. I didn't think I could ever be Fred Astaire because he was legendary, but I thought, well, these guys did it. You know, he trained ballet, became one of the top dancers in the world and mov- movie stars, so why not give it a shot?
0: How weird is it that um, Copperfield was one of the guys that you sort of – you watched and you kind of went, wow, this is it, and now you're – working in the same city as him performing at the the hotel across the street from him. Like how, how mind blowing is that for you?
1: You know, I try not to have too many surreal moments because I really, <clears throat> I live my life. Um, I, I'm always thankful, so grateful, but I'm always looking five years ahead. Like whenever I hit something, I go, man, I wish I was there five years ago. You know, you see people like Justin Bieber, Britney Spears, all these people who make it when they're 16, 18. Oh man, what happened? You know? And I realized it doesn't matter in life. Some people Um, Make it when they're 80 some people make it when they're seven some people make it when they're 35 and it all becomes when you Really get into your own your looks your style your charisma your talent And that goes for anything Whether you're inventing a computer like Bill Gates, or you're being a doctor you're inventing a new heart valve or an entertainer You know and and it is a surreal I drove to work one day and you're right The Tropicana is across the street from the MGM Grand where he plays and he has his face across it and I had one of the billboards on property at the Trop. so his face and billboards behind mine and i took a picture years ago and i have it somewhere that it was just a surreal moment that what are the chances he's from new york city he's about 20 years older than i am 20 or 30 years older i'm from vancouver and somehow we're performing the las vegas strip across the street from each other like one in a million if not more like i don't like and people ask well how did you end up right there and i don't have an answer like i don't know how i ended up right here today sitting in my kitchen you know in las vegas driving to work uh with my own show in the las vegas strip from burnaby you know what i mean i think of the fact i think maybe the reason is because i just never took no for an answer i took risks and i just believed in myself and i yeah you know, i nine out of ten things i failed and fell my ass i mean that's that's the key to being successful nobody ever just wakes up and nails it I, I i don't know anybody that's ever done that but um but it looks that way on facebook and instagram you know um nowadays but um, it is pretty surreal when you when you do see that, you know. And yes, he's a legend, and he's the top of the game, and he is the Fred Astaire of the magic world. But it's pretty cool working across the street to the guy he kind of watched on TV, going, I wonder if I could do a magic trick.
0: Next, from episode number 63, I'm joined by the house band at RERA Irish Pub in the shops at Mandalay Bay. Dave Rooney and Dave Brown of the Black Donnellys.
2: It's a funny thing, though, isn't it? Like that uh, when I'm talking to people, you know, and people come in and say, yeah, so are you really Irish? Are you putting on that accent, you know? And I look at them and I kind of go, are you really American? Are you really wherever you're from? Where are you from? We we can't keep this action up for five hours, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) You'd be be trying very hard, but they're very suspicious. And then we worked out as to why, because lots of people actually pretend that they're from Ireland and they put on these faux Irish-esque... Really Scottish, sweet.
3: Pakistani
2: accents. <laughs> really, really bad accents. I mean, really bad. And they say these, they, they use these terminologies. Are you, are you ready for a pint, laddie? <laughs> and we look at and we're going go, we don't talk like that. What are you talking about, your mongo? And then, and then something like, um, uh, what else do they say? Oh, my God. It's a slant you. never. Oh, oh so slant you, or, uh, Oh, man.
0: It's a right crack, ain't it? That was terrible i don't even know what that was <laughs>
2: yeah, but, but it, it, it's very much like that you know where where, where we can detect uh, I, immediately uh, that that these people aren't aren't natives you know what i mean And look, don't get me wrong. I mean, we don't think we're special or we're we're better than anybody else or anything like that. We never pretend to be anybody else. We just be ourselves, and we expect that of everybody else. But when you come up, when you start acting like a fool like that, people are not going to have respect for you. They're going to go like, what are you doing, you nutcase, you know? But but we get that kind of thing a lot. And now I understand why people are so suspicious of, of our accents and stuff like that, you know? Well,
0: I, and I think a lot of that, I guess it's the, it's the whole Vegas vibe in that where nothing, nothing really, real. nothing is real. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> nothing, nothing is real. Yeah. No, you've got a giant pyramid in the desert and an Eiffel tower down the street and the Statue of Liberty and fake canals and, and all of that <laughs> kind of stuff. So, I mean, you got to appreciate that, I guess. It,
2: it, it's yeah. a wonder, it's a wonderful thing. Although most people that come here think they've been drug that they've dropped an asset yeah. or something like that you know uh it it really is what a creation uh what a place um th- th- there's two sides of it i mean if you can embrace las vegas for what it is well then it's, it's definitely one of the best places in the world hands down um but you can also look at it as, as being fake and you can look at it as being uh soulless and uh and, the, and there are them types of uh, of feelings that you can get at various times during the year you know but for the most part for us it's a very very good window Great place to network, great place to experience. And, uh, and the mountain does actually come to Muhammad. You know what I mean? And uh, So, so that's, it's pretty good. It's, it, it's worked very well for us. Uh, I'm not saying it would work for everybody, but uh, generally if you're open for it and you want to embrace it, well, then it's there for, for you to take. It's
3: the same at home when people talk about like, um – a lot of people, oh, I won't go to Temple Bar because it's too and don't do this. You, know, like, you don't have to go. It's like living in Vegas. We don't live on the Strip, like, you know what I mean? We don't live under the Eiffel Tower. You know, we're, we're like we're a 15, 20-minute drive from the place. We have our own life up here, you know, and and where we live in Henderson. And it's like, it's great to look out. You know, like Vegas is just down there. Uh, if we want to pop in for a night, we can go to one of the most iconic uh, tourist centres in the world you know what I mean and then we can drive back over and live where we are same with Temple Bar the same with all these people it's, it's just you know I, I think as they says you can come in and, and people do they come in and embrace it, and then lose all their money and go home like we see when we're travelling out you see all the cars coming into Vegas and everybody oh Vegas baby let's do shots and then on Sunday night they're all coming home like this Vegas something kicks the shit out of you and then sends you home but they all come back then again like six weeks later, you know? <laughs> and, and and it's it's and uh, we I mean it's great for us because when they come in everyone's in a party void, you know? And 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 it's great. Yeah, it's like with the conventions and the locals and stuff, and we feed off that as well, you know. That's helps us to, to be able to gig like six nights a week in it.
0: Well and and I it's I guess the the way you put it, as you guys said earlier, we were talking, you were saying about you know how you kind of get down playing so many gigs in a night or so many gigs in a day kind of deal. With that atmosphere in Las Vegas, that's really gotta. I would imagine, as you say, it really helps you continue to to stay up.
2: You well, know, the, the whole thing about it is, is that it's very transient, right? And and this helps because you've you've got a a constant conveyor belt of people coming in and out in and out all the time. So you've never got the same. You've never got the same crowd, right? You you never got the same gig. Uh, together with that, we never use a set list. We don't use a set list. Uh, it's just something that I've I've gone I've worked by that that same rule ever since I started. And it, 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 it never fails, and and the reason for that is, is that uh, you you cut your cloth to your measure. You, you, you talk to the crowd, you engage the crowd, you see what kind of demographic they are, obviously, and um, you get some feedback about as to you know what they like. We ask for requests all the time. We play songs off the cuff all of the time. Uh, it works eighty nine percent of the time. <laughs> it, it it works sixty percent of the time. All, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of them things, very, very transient. Um, it's great. So the, the, the third part I would say about that is, is that uh, people are there for a reason, to enjoy themselves, blow off steam. The energy is always up. You've always got the holiday vibe going on, and, uh, and therefore we feed off that energy. Um, because when you don't have that energy, well, then I, I cannot believe how much energy gets actually sapped oh, out man.
3: of you. You'd be dying is- after the show
2: yeah which is what we're experiencing on our, our, our online shows at the moment where you know you don't have the applause you don't have the the, the thing at the end of the two hours or sometimes we do <laughs> three hours uh I, I actually have to go and lie down <laughs> you know because i got kind of going like jesus that was tough but yeah but i mean sorry I, I know that was a long-winded answer but in answer to your question we certainly feed off it very very transient and 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 i'm, I'm glad it's that way <laughs>
0: Next, from episode number 65, my chat with musical comedian and singer-songwriter Sarah Hester Ross.
4: That's actually the hardest part of the job, is having a wide enough repertoire where if you get an obscure song, you can probably figure it out. Especially with pop music, um, and iPads are a godsend these days. Um, So you Google it, it's got chord charts Usually the hardest part are the words. Um, And so that's where the iPad comes in handy. But, um, you know, it's, it's actually pretty cool. It's one of my favorite parts about the job is surprising people on how much we can actually do.
0: Yeah, that's you're. I, I you're bang on with that as a person that has absolutely no musical talent or ability at all um, <laughs> to to be at any of these these piano bars and, and such. And yeah, when somebody throws out some random weird third tier Don McLean song that yeah, five I, people have heard of, and you guys are actually able to pull it out and say, "Yeah, here you go," that blows me away.
4: Yeah, it's pretty fun. And watching people's faces and stuff like that. And then, you know, you have to take into consideration that someone's like trying to mess with us by giving us, you know, mamas and the papas. It's like, come on, dude, we're, we're having a party. <laughs> like, uh, but, you know, yeah, money talks, baby.
0: Do oh, amazing yeah. grace.
4: Mm. Oh, you have no idea how much that comes up, actually. It's like. Really? Okay, everybody, put your uh, alcoholic beverages down. We're going to church real quick. Uh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How often do you get stumped, if ever?
4: No, I definitely get stumped. Um, um, You know, I would say one out of 20. And granted, we get get a lot of songs. So, you know, you could actually mull your way through the songs you don't know being like oh I've got all these songs to play and also forgetting that I'm not alone I've got my partner sitting across from me and nine times out of ten another team that's coming back between the four of us four or five of us someone's gonna know the song and that's uh people aren't really thinking that at the time when they're trying to stump us but between four people thousands of songs you know we know and it but it's fun people love it and i love it so
0: do you ever start feeling like a top 40 radio station where you're just playing the same songs over and over again like how many more times can you sing don't stop believing by journey
4: every every single day every single time i work i'm like i am just a jukebox but the difference which is One of the reasons why I love dueling piano so much is that we're not just a band. Um, You know, because we're, it's not just music that we're offering. We're offering um, improv, we're offering comedy, we're doing crowd work, we're doing, um, you know, calling people down and celebrating birthdays and anniversaries. And uh, we're an all inclusive variety show and there's really nothing else like it and I think that's what draws people in is that they realize and obviously what keeps them there is that we're singing hits you know we're doing the songs that people want to hear but what keeps them there for three four five hours is that you know we're paying attention to them and we're making them laugh and we're making them drink and we're making them dance. And that's what I personally think is special about doing pianos.
0: It's funny that you talk about that whole idea of playing the, the same songs over and over again and playing quote unquote the hits. Uh, I mean, I worked in radio for almost 20 years and a, and a good portion of that was a classic rock stations. Right. And you'd get that complaint from the listener how come you play all the same songs all the time? How come you don't play Joe's Garage by Frank Zappa every three days, but you play Stairway to Heaven every three days? And and the response would be like, well, dude, because you and 11 other people know that song, but Stairway to Heaven is a bona fide hit and people are going to keep listening.
4: I mean, and it's also easy because it's an all request show that we can blame it on them too. It's like, (laughs) hey, this is a shitty song, but you asked for it. You know? (laughs)
0: Everybody in this bar hates you right now, and it's your fault because Mm -hmm. of this song.
4: (laughs) It's super fun.
0: Now we head to episode number 66, where I'm joined by professional celebrity impersonator, Christina Shaw.
5: The way I pick my characters, number one, is I have to enjoy the character. I have to like their music. I have to like their image. I have to look somewhat like them. I have to be able to sing the music and or dance. I I am a dancer, so I can pretty much do any celebrity that dances. Um, so, but first and foremost, I have to like the character after liking the character, I have to get familiar with the music, which if you're a singer, you understand this, but learning lyrics is not the easiest thing in the world because you literally have to listen to this song a thousand times to get it correctly. Cause you think, you know, the words to some songs, but then when you actually <laughs> go up for karaoke or like you actually have the song with no words in it, you're like, Oh, I, I don't know that word that that was a was or an it. An M? What, what did she say? You know? So that's the second part, learning the lyrics and stuff. And then the harder part, the harder parts of learning about the character as a female, obviously, is the makeup. So with Britney, I don't like Britney at all. So I have to do all kinds of contouring with my nose. Her eyes are far apart and they're droopy. And you have to study this. You have to study your character and what kind of, not necessarily what kind of makeup works for them, because sometimes the makeup that works for them doesn't look good on you. Or doesn't make you look like the character. So you have to kind of take what they do with their makeup and contour your face to make you look like that celebrity. So again, with Britney, I have to make my nose look small. With Gaga, I have to make my nose look thin, but she has like a lump like I do. So that's, I got that advantage of me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so there's all kinds of shading and stuff. And then once you get the makeup down, You have to start looking into costumes, which can get very expensive, Um, different looks that you want to emulate, wigs, hairstyles, and then the hardest, I don't want to say the hardest part because this isn't the hardest part for me. This is my favorite, the favorite part of the process for me is learning how they move Every artist moves differently. Britney has a thing with her hand. And she goes like this. Christina has a thing with her hand where she goes like this. Lady Gaga goes like this. And she likes to point a lot. And Taylor Swift likes to look to the side. And she likes to do this thing like this with the microphone. You know, this very intense way of singing, Taylor Swift is. And Faith Hill, she just stands there. So, <laughs> so there's, and, and I mean, and there's everything from lip, Movements. You know, there's there's the way that Christina puckers her lips and there's the way that um, Lady Gaga makes the growl face. And Britney has the tight lips because she can't really sing and she's trying to push it out. So, yeah, I mean, there's everything from, you know, lip movements to hand movements to the way they dance to uh, the way they walk. Britney drags her feet when she walks. Uh, Gaga skips a lot and she, Gaga doesn't stand still. Gaga <laughs> just goes like Christina takes a break. You know, Brittany doesn't sing, but when you do Gaga, whoo, you have to dance and sing your damn heart out. It's insane. It's insane doing Gaga. So yeah. So it's, it's a very lengthy process of, and lots of studying. I don't think people realize. And even, even now, like, before I go on stage, I actually like to watch a video of them to like, not only refresh my memory, but just feel what they feel and how they feel when they're on stage. So I like to do that as well. Cause it gets me in the mood too.
0: That's so crazy. I mean, again, I don't think people realize how much work goes into this type of performing. I mean, I do to a certain degree because you guys have been nice enough to kind of uh, take me behind the curtain on this stuff. But even still, like I'm still learning stuff. This is a lot of work. <laughs>
5: yeah, it is. But when you enjoy it, it's not work.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, is there a particular impersonation that you love more than others?
5: People ask me that all the time. And it's so hard to pick a favorite because they're all like my children. Because I studied them <laughs> For so many years, like, and they're all different. Like Brittany is just iconic, you know, like her, her dances, like people know her dances. People do the dances with me. Like, so when doing Britney, it's like, you don't really have to worry about the singing so much as the dancing. And so like, that's what I love about Britney and the songs, the songs are so good and they're so iconic and everyone knows them. And then with Christina, you know, she is like the most like me vocally. I like riffing and just like, you know, crazy singing, which is so fun. A little bit of dancing, not hardcore dancing with Christina. And then with Gaga, it's like, she just, she's nuts on stage. You know, she's singing, she's dancing, she's playing the piano, she's jumping off the stage. She's, you know, like, it's just, I get to just act out of control on stage as Gaga. So that's really fun. And then as Taylor, I like doing Taylor because she's real like lanky and skinny like I am. So I don't have to like cover up with costumes. I don't have to cover up my body. I literally like embrace my skinny and awkwardness as Taylor. <laughs> so that's fun because I get to be a little bit more like not myself, but I, I don't have to worry about like being perfect with dance moves. Cause she's not, she's just like, nah, you know, mm-hmm. flails all over the place. And again, her songs are great and she's more of a country crossover pop singer. So I love her songs. And then Faith is just stand there and sing. <laughs> sing all the country songs that all the older people love, you know, and it's not more of like a concert, like a rock or a Gaga concert. Faith is more like a, everyone sits back and has a glass of wine and watches, you know, and people enjoy it differently than they would enjoy me as Gaga. So they're all different and I love them all in separate ways, so it's not like if someone calls me, "What's your favorite character?" That's the one you you have to do. I'd be like, uh, "Can I do a one woman show of five characters?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> and last but not least, we jump to episode number seventy seven and my second conversation with Bronx Wanderers member and Vegas headliner Vin
6: A the thing was with the Bronx Wanderers, we were rocking seven nights a week and that was every single night at eight o'clock. I really couldn't do a lot in the daytime because you can't burn your voice out and you can't go crazy at night because you need it for the next day. So all my projects were kind of on hold and yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it because that weekly paycheck was nice. <laughs> and the minute that weekly paycheck was gone, I didn't know what to do. Luckily, um, we had the PPP, which is like that, uh, that loan program for people at work. Luckily, my producers got that. I at least got my paycheck for like eight weeks, which again, I'm sitting at home and I feel like I'm robbing somebody because somebody's paying me and I'm doing, I have to do something. Right. It's like, you know, it feels, it feels weird. So I was like, okay, at least I can focus on my album. I'm going to do this little acoustic uh, album thing that I'm going to work on called Vendemic. Uh, my dad and I have gone out and done duo stuff together. We released like two music videos. We're going to be releasing a, I say we, I mean me. I guess it's just me. It's Vin A, right? That's the band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be releasing a, a new music video in about a, hopefully a week or so. It starred the dancers of X-Country and the dancers of Aussie Heat. And a couple of bandmates from the strip and we, you know, did this whole cool choreographed dance thing. I didn't dance. Like I got all the good, (laughs) I got all the good looking people to dance. I just did the, uh, you know, I held the guitar, did my thing. I just, I didn't want that to be the only thing. So I'm excited for that. But uh, you're right. This whole pandemic kind of lent itself to other exciting projects. Jimmy Denning and I from Tenors of Rock uh, wrote our own show (laughs) that we're going to be selling I think in a couple of days, the first show I believe is going to be on November 11th, which is veterans day. And, uh, we're calling it Vin and Jimmy's downtown hootenanny. And it's, it's like a game show mixed with music, with movies, with all this stuff. we got a video screen. So it's a whole show. We, 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 we work three months on it. Uh, he's coming over in a couple of hours to go over all the ticketing with me. So, yeah, it's definitely, you know, you got to look at the positives when the world throws you such a curveball like this. And it's not even throwing me a curveball. It's like the world threw itself a curveball. Everybody's in, in a state of flux and no idea what's going to happen. So I'm fortunate that I got a good support team around me that enabled me to do all these cool and exciting projects. And uh, yeah, and you, man, for getting it out there.
0: I did want to talk about the the whole Vindemic thing and the videos that you were you were popping out on Facebook and and on YouTube and such, and and, and kind of the idea, the inspiration behind some of these videos because they really ran the gamut from real serious heavy duty songwriter stuff to just goofy fun stuff. Was it just a case of waking up and going, well, today I'm going to do this, and and, and tomorrow I'm going to do that? How did you, you pick what it was you were going to put out there?
6: That's really what it was. I mean, I would just wake up and go, you know, I've always wanted to do that song. And I never did that song. Or, you know, I have this funny, stupid song in my head that's like a parody, but I want to do it to like a song that people know. So I picked Folsom Prison Blues and I call it COVID Prison Blues. And meanwhile, like I go online and there's like 80 different versions of people doing the same idea. So it's not like I did anything. You know, I thought, I, I thought it, it came very organic to me, like, okay. But then I go online, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of smart, cool people, talented people out there that did the same thing. But, uh, you know, you know me. I don't take myself very seriously. Um, I don't think anybody should. I take I take my music seriously. But at the same token, I always want to have fun with it. And that's kind of the theme with the downtown Hootenanny that Jim and I are doing. It's the theme of Vendemic. It's the theme of my life that it's great to, you know, bust out a real serious song like Landslide and then a minute later... <laughs> You're in your underwear playing three different instruments, singing a Johnny Cash song, you know, <laughs> rapping about the pandemic. It's, you know, it's just you got to laugh at the whole thing and you got to enjoy it while you can. And it doesn't matter whether you do music or whether you do anything else. I feel like you should take that approach with anything in life.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: You know, and you do the same thing. I mean, you have episodes where you get heavy into stuff and then you have episodes that are that are light. And that's, you know, that's keeps people coming back, I think.
0: I want to talk about some of the original stuff that you've done. There's there's two tracks that really stick in my brain here. Um nowhere to begin, yeah. which is kind of a fun one because it's that neat little play on words with nowhere to begin and nowhere to begin and mantra. First of all, mantra. I sent you a message late one night. Mantra is on my pre-sleep list, which is kind of hilarious. It just the first time I heard this song, I'm like <clears throat>
6: And it's a very calming song, you know, it's yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm glad you take it as a compliment because I don't know too many other artists that be like, hey, man, your music puts me to sleep all the time,
6: man. I like it. You know, like I'm I'm a big Radiohead fan. So like when I listen to albums like Amnesiac or Kid A, you know, like people go, oh, that music's so depressing. I go, and it's not depressing. It's just not, (laughs) you know, it's not. You know, everything can't be a slamming, you know, hard hitting thing. Something's gotta be laid back and chill. And uh and that song really is like an affirmation song, like I will rise again, I will stand up, I will face the wind, I will it's like an empowering thing. And the fact that you listen to that before you sleep, you know, now I'm taking credit for everything that happened the next day to you that was good. Like I empowered you, I made that happen. <laughs> but uh You know, it's, it's all about that vibe that, you know, I can do this. I will do this. I will stand up. And I feel like uh, that's an important message to get out right now. And then the complete polar opposite of that is nowhere to begin, which you look at that music video and that song and it's, you know, I'm just, I'm looking at the world around me and I'm scared to death and I, I, I'm trying to find the good in it all, but it's hard. So that's why I guess my writing is all over the place. And that's why my projects are all over the place because the world's all over the place. Me and my girlfriend and I last night had an amazing date night. She bought this thing called an adventure book and you don't know what it is. You scratch it off and you, and whatever it is you have to do it. So we go, all right. So we haven't had a night together in three weeks. Cause I've been working on, you know, 50 different projects. She goes, Vin, I need a night with you. I go, I'll fit you in babe. Don't worry. And I scratched the thing off and it's like, you need to have an appetizer, a dinner and a dessert in three different places. And you have to have a different accent in each place. <laughs> so there I am, the first, you know, Australian having my beer, eating my pizza. <laughs> and the next place, I'm like Russian having my steak at this other the- And, you know, it's you got to stop and enjoy the little things. And, you know, and, and we did that and we were able to do that. And, you know, I'm just happy that you're able to stop and enjoy the music. Because that's what makes me as a songwriter feel like I'm not just putting it out there and it's going nowhere. At least somebody's listening. At least I got one.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this reshare of the conversations I've had with some of my favorite Vegas entertainers. To check out the full episodes, head to the website at jeffdoesvegas.com or jump into the archives wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And that wraps up another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on a future episode, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at JeffDoesVegas. You can also email me directly at jeff at jeffdoesvegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit jeffdoesvegas.com for past episodes and show notes.